Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Today, in honor of Halloween, we'd like to tell you a horror story. Farmer Freddie Kay has just had his best crop season ever. Most of his fields made record yields in both corn and soybeans. There were, of course, some low-yielding areas, but with the tractor and combine data he's collected all season, scouting reports, and the investment in aerial imagery this year, Freddie Kay believes that he can tie all that information together to come up with a plan to improve those areas. After harvest, he sits down at his computer to look at the planter and harvest data, but it's all gone. Now, Freddy resorts to terrorizing kids in their dreams. This truly is a horror story for farmers who've made the investment in technology and want to utilize it to improve farming practices. Unfortunately, it happens frequently where data is unusable for one reason or another. Joining us today is Dr. John Fulton with the Department of Food, Agricultural, and Biological Engineering. He's our Precision Ag Specialist and works closely with my co-host Elizabeth on research and outreach to improve precision ag use across the state. Welcome, John. Ah, thanks for having me. So, John, harvest is winding down in our parts of the state. What tips do you have for guys to make sure that all of that harvest data is captured? Well, I think first that uh, we're kind of getting it in the season here in Ohio, and maybe for a lot, we're already at the end of the harvest season. So the, the kind of the first step I take would be is is go ahead and as you clean up your, your combines and maybe other equipment from the season, uh, hit the export button um, on the displays and just, you know, whether that's the thumb drive or compact flash, whatever, um, required for those displays, but export all that data and just make make sure you got it archived all that display data for for 2018 here. So another thing we we talk about is how important it is to make a copy of that raw data before you start doing any post processing. Why is that so important? Well, we uh, ultimately a lot of the, the software packages or platforms like to read in that raw data to kind of start from as it relates to processing that data. And so making a copy of that and making sure that that's backed up becomes very important, especially if you're planning on or you're working with your trusted advisors in the future and you want to come back to 2018. Again, a lot of times they'll ask for kind of that raw or display data to begin uh, with in terms of the, and we'll talk about harvest data here, but uh, I want to create a yield map for 2018. They want to get back to that raw data to start that process. So I would suggest or even recommend to growers to make sure that once you have that downloaded on a thumb drive, that you make a folder uh, either on an external hard drive or use some kind of cloud storage or uh, somewhere and, and just make a, a, a backup copy of that uh, harvest data or even for all of the 2018 season data. That way you have that somewhere in a secure and safe location that can be accessed not only today, but more importantly in the future as, as more and more people start to, to utilize data. 
So what other types, I know we collect all sorts of data on the farm, what types of data do you think is good to keep in addition to that yield data that you might use? Um, you know, I think it's, if, if, if the, you know, with planters today and the technology that's, that's being um, on, the, on the tractors or in the tractors, that I think having the as planted data becomes very important. This, you know, make sure, make sure that you can go back and say, you know, I had either through prescription or I wanted to plan a certain rate that you can confirm that, you know, here at the end of the season that exactly what got planted where. So as planted data, I think is very important. Uh, any kind of as applied data that as relates to crop nutrition, so fertilizer application becomes important. Again, it just kind of confirms what uh, what you plan got done and done properly when you look back. And then I think the 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 other thing is if you got some of your crop protection records again running a, a lot of these sprayers today can create a, a coverage map for you. Just confirm what got done out in the field. And so as you look back, especially through your yield data or you're kind of looking through fields. Um, you know, sometimes you see things and you're trying to explain what happened, whether it's low uh, or, you know, I'm seeing something that's just not normal in that area of the field. At least you can go back to some of these other field operations and see, you know, did I get what I wanted planted there? Yes or no. And when I went to my crop nutrition, whether that's side dress or mid-season, late season, whatever that may be, hey, I got out there what I want. And then on crop protection, I mean, uh, you know, uh, herbicides uh, in particular, I mean, occasionally uh, some things may be in question, but having that those records can help you begin uh, to kind of dive into those end of season results and maybe look at if you see something going on, uh, really help confirm or, or maybe explain in some cases, um, you know, kind of what's happening in yield maps. So you mentioned cloud storage. Um, exporting data. Um, this is kind of a whole nother can of worms, I guess, but what about data ownership? Well, um, you know, data ownership is, it continues and probably will be for, uh, for some time, um, something that farmers need to think about. And, and so, um, there are a lot of platforms that, that, uh, that have telemetry options where data is moving from the machines directly into their platform or cloud type atmosphere. Uh, and when you think about or if you have concerns about data ownership and the rights around the utilization of that data that might be coming out of your fields, I think you should look through your, the terms and conditions or have someone that, that might have a, a little bit of knowledge about that explain that to you. I don't think, you know, a lot of times say, well, you need a lawyer for that. That, that kind of may be the case, in, you know, if you really want to get to the, the fine-tuned details. But at the end of the day, what I would say is that um, there's the Ag Data Transparency tool. Ag Data Transparency, you can... You can search that on the internet, but you can go to there and see what companies have gone through that process. And one of the questions that is asked and confirmed legally is, you know, data ownership right there. So I think that's a that's a, a resource for farmers or farmers and trusted advisors that who owns or who has access to that data. You can go right there for those that have gone through that process. But I think if a grower is truly 
uh, concerned, you know, about ownership that they need to look into the terms and conditions. And if that doesn't suffice, then they need to be thinking about how do I just store that data locally and make sure it stays locally until they come up when you know, um, either confident or, or comfortable of using some of these other tools that are out there. It does offer a lot of convenience in some ways, um, but still something we need to be aware of. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to your point, Amanda, you know, we, we live in this connected world today mm -hmm. and whether it's machines or it's all the smartphones and iPads and tablets that, that we're all carrying in agriculture. I mean, a high number, we know that's north of 85%. In some areas, it's north of 90% of farmers and, and folks serving farmers have a connected device. And so um, it's just a different world. And, and again, that brings some ch changes, which we're living through today in, in, in agriculture. But, uh, you know, as, as you do business and you think about what data might be doing um, or what kind of impact data may start to have on your farm, I mean, you need to be aware of these, mm -hmm. these, who's connected and how data can be used and, and what information can I draw. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, if I'm collecting data, I would be hoping that I can somehow draw some kind of information from it. If not, it's 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 not a it's not being a resource for me. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point you bring up with the data sharing that's going on. Is that it's very important to pay attention to who has access to your data and how they're using it. I think that's very important. Well, and Elizabeth, you know, you're part of the the project. Last year, we went out and and inter, uh, basically surveyed. Uh, soybean producers, and these are cutting edge soybean producers to be, uh, make sure you understand that. But we were asking these producers, they, they're kind of all in on precision ag and, and um, also trying to use data. But I think we saw out of the, the survey that, uh, what's it, 90 some percent are sharing data with someone exterior to the farm. And 66% were sharing with two or more people exterior to the farm. So, I mean, I think that gives you a glimpse of where things are going to be in the next few years, that farmers are going to be sharing more and more data to bring services, recs, information, whatever, in the future. And so understanding who you're sharing with and, and what kind of you know value you get back is pretty important. So this technology is changing so fast, and it's really hard for a lot of us to keep up with it. Um, and we may not even understand what data is being collected, but you feel that that's a really important point that we do know that because it is our data. I think, you know, with the, the level of adoption of we'll call it precision ag technology today, that one of the steps that we're recommending the growers to, to take is to do a, basically an audit of, you know, they've got this technology. What what data truly is being collected with the technology. And I think it's it's a good exercise uh, to understand, you know, what technology is being used on the farm and what data is or can be collected with that technology on the farm. And with that, I think that begins to, to understand that, yeah, I'm collecting yield data, but is there some other data that may be being collected? So we talk a lot about machine data today. And so now we not only have yield monitors in the cabs a lot of times, but we have what they call pucks that are pulling data from the uh, CAM bus that relates back to what that the machine parameters are. And, and so, well, 
if I if that's being collected and maybe is a company providing that back and does that become useful to me to understand mm -hmm. how on a field by field basis maybe equipment's being operated and, and what kind of efficiencies are being actually attained. So when I think about all the you know uh, all this technology, it is hard as you mentioned to keep up with it. But we got so much data that is now beginning to be collected. Truly understanding what technology, you know. Just not a display, not a yield monitor, but am I using a puck? What's coming off of that? What can I collect from that? And then what can it, could that inform as part of my operation becomes important. So you say there's a lot of data. You were part of a project called Terra where you tried to collect the most data ever collected on a single corn plant. And I think that was really <laughs> eye-opening to me at least as to how much data we really have. Can you recall off the top of your head what, what the number was? Well, we did that here at the Farm Science Review or the Molly Karen uh, Center and that was a hundred acre field and using commercial products um, very commonly used on Ohio farmers today on Ohio farms today including imagery that ended up being over 60 petabytes on that hundred acre field and it was like 18 gigabytes on the one corn plant and so a lot of people say, well, that's a lot of data. You can look at what a petabyte is, but when you think about 18 gigabytes, they truly can be collected. We figured out with uh, the farm manager, uh, Nate Doritas, that only about 25% of that data was actually usable and that he could action with that data. So I don't want to give a sense that all that data was useful. I think there's bits and pieces that were yeah, it's kind of nice to have, but at the end of the day, only 25% of that were actually usable data by Nate in order to inform uh, future processes and, and decisions. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of data very quickly that can be collected, especially when we think about all the imagery that's uh, being available today, whether farmers are purchasing or companies offering, there's quite a bit of imagery today that's being collected today on these fields. So all of the data is pretty much useless until we do some sort of post-processing and analysis. Um, do you have some tips for, for what needs to be done as far as post-processing? Well, I, I would, you know, one thing is, is do, um, are you working with someone, that trusted advisor, and, and just making sure you got a complete data set? If not, how are you going to deal with that situation if, if I didn't quite get a complete field, you know, like a yield map? Uh, so making sure that you have a complete data set needs to be kind of a, a basic check. Uh, we do know going through yield data uh, and possibly even as planted data occasionally, but specifically yield data that if we want to utilize that data that, uh, you know, cleaning and, and taking out some of the erroneous data that could occur for various reasons that we want to remove that. If we truly are going to do take that and use that as uh, information data layer for a fertility if I'm going to take and convert my yield map to a, a removal map that begins then uh, puts into equation of what am I going to apply back and create a, a, a variable rate of phosphorus, potassium, uh, even maybe micros depending on what the farmer's uh, needs are and that field's needs are. But uh, before we take those steps, having a complete data set yes or no and then I think going through and making sure that maybe we need to clean and remove some erroneous data becomes very important because that impacts ultimately what the rec's going to be putting in next year's machine to apply so those would be some basic things to consider yeah making sure that we're we're starting since yield data is used in so many different ways making sure that 
we have the highest quality data there that we possibly can is incredibly important. And for someone who's never cleaned data, um, do you have advice on how they go about that? Um, well, I would encourage them to, to call us at Ohio State and have that discussion, especially if they've never done it, but just mm -hmm. to kind of get thoughts on where to start and, and what to consider. Uh, I'm a believer, you know, you just don't remove zero yields and mm -hmm. high yielding areas just because they seem out of reach. I think you got to figure out why those areas from the yield monitor perspective were in error. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think getting here with the digital ag team is, is one start. I mean, I think we've got experience to, to give some insight. Um, but then I think we also have some consultants in the state that have been looking into it and they're starting to get good sound processes and uh, kind of dive into the data, making sure before it goes into some kind of analytical process that it's cleaned. And so I think there's, you know, we've got pretty good expertise in the state to, to help growers. And do you have, if um, someone's pretty limited on this or just thinking about getting into it, are there a couple pieces of data collection throughout the season that you feel um, add more value or can help them make better decisions um, if they don't want to go all into it? So I think with technology and a lot of just practices that, that can be evaluated and adopted. I think you always want to take a, a step into it. I think going from you know zero to full speed can be a dangerous and sometimes a, a bad experience uh, mm -hmm. for everyone involved. So that would be one thing. I think you need to step in. Um, but I, you know, I, at the end of the day, yield mapping ends up being a very critical data layer to to begin understanding what's happening within the field. Um, I think the other thing that's an easy step in is, is making sure that you're doing some kind of grid sampling or zone sampling if, if you haven't done that again. But one of the real value tools that, that we found, or two actually, that are becoming fairly inexpensive is number one, collecting uh, spatial data uh, when you're scouting. Uh, there's a lot of apps out there today that I can go to a field and whether it's myself or someone I'm hired or someone that they can mark a point, they can take a picture, they can take notes right then and there of something that they see in the field. And, and having that information, especially if I'm not, you know, if I'm a farmer, not the one doing the scouting or I'm getting out to the field on a routine basis, that information can be very informative as I think ahead. And, and again, look at yield maps or end of season yields, what happened out there. But having a picture, having notes, and having that tied to a location of the field is a very low-hanging fruit, in my opinion, a very inexpensive way to begin to learn and understand how that crop's developing, but then also relate that back to, to ultimately the yield and, and kind of retelling what I would say, retelling the season and how it went. Uh, the other thing that um, a lot of companies are offering, again, it's low cost, is the imagery piece. And, and sometimes just seeing some of the imagery that comes at the end of June and July and even early August, those critical growth stages can really kind of um, show you, you know, what's happening out there in the field. And again, maybe even force you to go to the field in a few few instances and say, you know, what is happening? And that, again, maybe knowledge I wouldn't have known if I didn't see that, that image and come in. 
Yeah, I think you brought up a good point that I continually hear throughout um, presentations and workshops on this topic is that this technology, at least not yet, is able to replace actual boots on the ground and going in and verifying it. So no matter how much technology you have at this point, you still want to get out into the field. And like you said, with aerial imagery, it can certainly help pinpoint us because walking through a cornfield at tasseling is not fun for anyone. But if you're able to um, kind of narrow down where you see some problem areas are from aerial imagery, then you don't have to um, maybe trudge through quite as much corn. Well, and I think it's pretty cool to have some of these apps today where I can scout or someone's scouting for me. I have that information. If I'm sitting in the combine going through the field and I'm seeing, again, on the yield monitor, or I see something like uh, lodging or similar type, you know, low yielding area, sometimes, you know, you're looking up at the screen and if, if it's all kind of connected up, you see a pin right there, you can connect the pin right in the combine and say, Oh, that, that comes back to that and that helps connect up why that area is low yield or maybe uh, something there is not similar to kind of the surrounding area. So, Yeah, and I mean, if you're not quite at that level where you have the pinpoint on your screen as you're going through the field, you can at least make notes mm. as you're combining so that you can line it up with your other imagery later too. Absolutely. And John, you mentioned um, yield data being an important piece and Elizabeth, you're always pushing to calibrate yield monitors, so I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, well, hopefully for most of us, it's too late to calibrate. Well, yeah. <laughs> but for maybe next year. Yeah, but definitely for next year, it's one of those, those problems where if you don't teach your yield monitor how to interpret the data that it's seen, it's going to give you bad data in return. Um, it's like having a test that you didn't study for when you don't calibrate. Mm -hmm. So making sure that your yield data is, is accurate, calibration is, is step one for sure. So with all this technology, getting a comfort level with working with it can be a bit of a challenge. And a personally, one way I think is a great way to learn how to use this technology is through on-farm research. Do you have any tips for getting started with on-farm research to maybe increase their abilities with their technology? Well, with all the precision technology that's been adopted, I think conducting on-farm trials is as easy as it's ever been. I mean, whether I write it right into a script and, or I can go out and do strip trials, I mean, uh, it's great to have the ability of planting to be able to document where my treatments were placed in a field today and have that map and then coming back and harvesting that with a tip, you know yield monitor and um, and it's a great way, in my opinion, for both the grower to get questions answered. Um, it's not as daunting of a task as it used to be because we're having to stop and weigh and do a lot of things to confirm what we were collecting out there in the field. But with the technology, it's just an easy way to set up, you know, replicated experiments, go out there and execute those and then have yield monitor data at the end of the day to kind of come back and, and evaluate and learn from and so i think today um there's a lot of opportunity to again going back to to one of our earlier discussions to be able to archive that data making sure it's accurate and and storing that in a way that, that and having someone process it and so you know we've been doing quite a bit of uh, on-farm trials here 
uh, through the E-Fields program. And, for, of course, Ohio State has a, has a legacy in doing on-farm trials for some time. But the E-Fields in particular, you know, having that data, working with growers, helping growers advance their operation and making sure their practices uh, are profitable and moving them forward in what they want to accomplish, but also giving us data, at least here at Ohio State, that may even at some point help us um, uh, make suggestions, make recommendations back as it relates to crop production here in the state. Um, where do, how do I make that work? sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge because everyone's using different systems. Um, you know, you may have uh, one farmer that's kind of a case and got one that's an agco, maybe running some cleaners and someone else running some deers. And how to connect all that up can be a challenge, but we've got tools today that's helping make that. I mean, with all the cloud technology and getting that there, uh, you know, Ohio State is part of an effort to promote on-farm research it's called ag data coalition or adc they've got a platform today that helps connect up with all these what we'll call them oems or these manufacturers clouds you can pull all that data to one side organize that data and then analyze it much quicker just because i'm able to be connected in my case connected to a multitude of growers out there that are supporting us being able to pull their data uh, in get it organized and ultimately summarizing it. Uh, the ADC is one way, uh, there's others, but ADC helps helps make efficiency and bring that data in here to us to, to come up with some new learnings. So you guys have a newsletter the Precision Ag team sends out. You've got, you're on social media. Um, what are some other resources or expand on those a little bit, how we can get signed up for the newsletter? So the digital ag program does maintain a, um, a newsletter that comes out and folks can send in um, and request to be on that, that list. Uh, the website has some information, but going back to Elizabeth's comments about uh, specific to brands, how to calibrate yield monitors, trying to accumulate that information so people kind of have a one shot regardless of the brand that they're using. They can always give and have access to what are the procedures to calibrate. Um, but if you just go on the Precision Ag website, uh, you can find a, an email there that uh, you can send. And whether it's a question or you want to be on the newsletter, you send a, a note to the digital ag team and, and uh, we'll get back with you or get you on the list so you can receive that uh, quarterly newsletter. Yeah, we'll include the link to the website and the email in the description yes and for those of you who've been listening for a while we did start a facebook page and twitter account so we can tweet out some of those links as well um elizabeth agronomy farm management just search that on facebook or twitter they'll be able to find it yeah on twitter we're at afm podcast and you should be able to find it the same way on facebook perfect so just to recap, as far as getting data out, um, I think there were three main things that came out. Backup, export, and then get your cards out before it gets too cold. Does that kind of sum it up pretty good? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, especially during cleanup here, getting equipment cleaned up, the combine in particular, nothing wrong with getting up there and throwing a thumb drive or compact flash or similar, whatever, you're, and just hit the export button and <clears throat> make sure all that's 
that's secure, you know, on that mm-hmm. on that drive that you can take and, and download uh, to a desktop or laptop or put in some kind of cloud storage and say, hey, there's my 2018 harvest, maybe our 2018 planting date. At least you, you have it organized to that level and know where that is. Great. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you out at giving presentations this winter. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.